got a great song to play next. Hello? Have you ever snubbed a lady? Um, we had a technical problem. Are we on? Every day in every radio station across the land, presenters and producers rack their brains to come up with compelling and engaging content that will resonate with their target audience and build a strong and loyal listener base. There's topics based around what's going on in the world or sense of day, of the day's big political talking points, and of course, passionate and insightful chat about music. And all these topics are meticulously researched and prepped in order to elicit engagement with their audience on the phone, or text message, and of course on social media as well. And every single one of them knows that if they're just asked what's your favourite biscuit, they'd get a thousand percent more calls. This is Crunch and Roll, and of course it's Crunch Cream or Fig Roll. I'm John Fox, known to some as Foxy, done breakfast shows across the UK, more recently some programmes on the BBC. Today's guest was a pirate. Um, oh, pirate radio DJ, sorry. Um, she then walked the plank and became a landlubber, working at some big stations on dry land, and now she has the real pleasure of working with me, five nights a week on the BBC across the Midlands. It's the lovely Caroline Martin. We had a lovely chat, found out why she's actually called Caroline, and uh, also about one of the most famous ghosts in British radio stations, and uh, also why she loves late-night radio. As usual, it's a little bit sweary, and does contain some adult content. Let's crunch and roll. Oh, yeah. Hello, Caroline. Hello, Foxy. How are you? I am good. Um, I've just mentioned in the intro that um, you and I now work together. We do. And uh, I am... Very fortunate to be uh, part of Caroline's Late Show production team. And when I say team, I mean you and I. Now, are you being sarcastic now um, or not? Because, I mean, it, it, we've worked together for a good, what, 10 months now, and it, it took me a little while to try and work out the sarcasm bit so the not sarcastic. So are you being real? Look me in the eye. I, I am being semi-sarcastic <laughs> and a little bit real. Well, I like working with you. I like working with you. Is that enough for the sycophantic stuff? I think it is. We're getting yeah, a nod th- for yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you might even edit that bit out. Who knows? Right. Well, Caroline, thank you very much for doing Crunch and Roll. Pleasure. Um, I know you were a little bit reluctant to do this, and I think, if truth be known, behind the Caroline Martin that people hear on air, you're very shy. I like to keep myself to myself. Yeah. I'm not very showbiz, am I? So if you want showbiz stories, you're like in the wrong place because I don't do anything rock and roll or showbiz. So, you know, but I can tell you some stories about what I have done that, well, that's that were want. rock and roll. But, well, but uh, I, th- I think that you have got some rock and roll stories and you, you've got a great CV of stations. But I think we're going to focus quite a bit on, on the first one, which, of course, is Radio Caroline. Yes. Now, before we get on board, have you seen what I've done there? Yeah, I like that. Clever. Thank you. You can whistle me on. Um, I want to talk about your dad. Yes, Ivan. Ivan, the, the driving instructor. Yes. <laughs> he, was, he, he just loved radio. Um, I, I say he loved radio. He loved pirate radio. And growing up, we were never allowed to listen to the BBC. Really? Yeah, weren't allowed it on. You know, when I get to a certain age or got to a certain age, um, my friends were uh, listening to the charts, weren't they? Because, you know, they want to know what's number one. Uh, I was never allowed to have the charts on or any Radio 1 in the house. Never allowed. Uh, it's just about the pirates. So so what what was your dad's fascination with pirates? I think that if you were to, if he were here... Uh, 
And if he were to admit it, I am doing what he always wanted to do, but was never brave enough to do it. Right. and he used to listen to the pirate radio stations. And uh, for him, it was just all about the, the music. My dad absolutely loves music. And um, he used to go out and he used to visit them. You'd get on a little boat, you'd go chugging out, you'd have a little kind of like uh, circle round and then you'd come back again. And all of that would take hours. And, so, um, so is that all you did? You got on a boat and, just, and you sailed? Or you never got on board? When, when he first used to go out there, yeah, he used to go out to the first ship, which was the Mi Amigo. And he was going to take me and then it sunk. <laughs> so uh, that, that, that didn't happen. blew that one out of the water but I did go out and see it one it had sunk right. uh, and we saw the mast sticking up so we went and sailed around that and uh, then came back home again when it came back in the Ross Revenge we went and for the first few times we'd sail around it and then you could go on board and it was all really you're not allowed to it's illegal it's a pirate radio ship and uh, and all the rest of it but you just you, just to get on board that and to feel that buzz and uh, I just thought this, this is that I've got to do this so just explain to me so I know very little about these stations these these pirate stations on, on boats so mm. if they were illegal why did nobody know where they were? You know, you could see them, but they were in international waters. Right, OK. So because they were in international waters, they couldn't be uh, touched. Right, so, I see. You know, but to, to get to them, you had to go from... A lot of the boats used to come from England, uh, and they would be kind of like watched going in and out of the harbours. So after time, we'd go in and out from Europe, Belgium, France, and, uh, and so on and so forth. So much effort to go and see these boats. It's a great deal of effort to go and uh, see the boats. But that, that was only when you were going out there to stay. The visitors, you could because there's no um, problem with coming to have a look. Right. You're not breaking any law by just sailing out there and sailing around and having a look. It's if you supply them with things. You're not allowed to supply them with anything. Because if you're supplying them with water, well, actually water, I think you could because it's a life-saving thing, isn't it? You you have to have it as part of life. But if you're chucking, you know, treats up, then it's illegal. Sweets. Yeah, no, no good. The one thing we always wanted, cigarettes. <laughs> you'd, you'd be looking at somebody bring, bring, bring some fags. Come on, bring them out here. <laughs> so you, you, I mean, you're, you're called Caroline because your dad named you after Radio Caroline. Yes. Is that true? That is absolutely true. Yes. Thank the Lord you didn't go for laser eight to eight. Well, a laser 558, five, and five, it five, was eight. later that laser came out. It was either going to be Caroline or Veronica. Was it? There was another radio station called Veronica. So, so I think you're our first guest that's named after a radio station. The, well, there um, we are. And probably our only one. So was the passion for the radio, was that... Did you get that yourself just by watching your dad's passion, or did I, he kind of say, you need to do it? He never, ever said that. Did he not? He never once said that. He... My dad was all about music. My dad loved music and Radio Caroline played the music that he liked, hence why he was listening to it. So it was weird because at school everybody was going in and they were talking about what's in the charts. I didn't know what was in the bloody charts. I hadn't heard it, had I? So uh, I was talking about, you know, Kansas, Fleetwood Mac, uh, the Eagles, uh, Steely Dan, all this stuff that my dad was listening to. And we'd go into school (laughs) and everybody would have the band names, you know, on their bags and all the rest of it. And I'd have the Electric Light Orchestra. So I was always a bit (laughs) kind of like, what? Oh God, she's odd. But I didn't care because it's just the music that gives you something. And um, that was what it was all about for me to get out there in the end, um, just to be surrounded by this music and to step into that record library and the the feeling that you get when you're in there. Because when you used to uh, do a show, you'd be on for four hours 
um, I know people moan now, but it's been a thing for a while. Yeah. <laughs> um, you'd go in and you'd get enough um, music and you'd have them from these cards. It would be like an index file. Right. So you would take four from the 70s, three from the 80s, uh, some from the 60s. And and then you'd get these cards and then you'd go to the record library, you'd pick out the album and then you could go and make what you wanted out of it. So the music was chosen for you, but you could create what you wanted in that four hours, play it where and when. So, you know, there was a sort of a format to it that I never dared break because I was very young then and thought, I can't break these rules. Imagine me back there now. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you break more rules now than you no, did then. <laughs> So hang on, so let's just go back. So your dad eventually got you onto Caroline. Well, we started to actually go out and visit it and right. go on board. Okay. And, um, you know, and then I'd go by myself because sometimes he couldn't always go because we lived in Cambridge and you'd have to drive to Essex to actually get the um, tender out to the yeah. out to the boat. So sometimes he couldn't go. So sometimes I went with other friends uh, and I think it was um, a bank holiday and it was really calm and... Sunday, it was Sunday, we went out and uh, they said, do you want to stay? Because there's another boat coming out tomorrow. So if you want to stay overnight, you can. And then go back the next day. And I thought, oh, God. and I did. And it was just like, uh, th- th- from there on in, I thought, right, I need to come back here. This is amazing. And did you have dreams of presenting then? I, I knew that that was what I wanted to do. Right, okay. Yeah, because some people, you know, you started out as a cook or a, whatever, and then you got on air. But no, this was what I wanted to do. And I was shite. Was <laughs> I was so bad when you're looking back on it. But you think, because I was never, because you, you can't call yourself by your proper name. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, that's why people change their names, because so it's illegal. Okay. Because you're yeah, not yeah, supposed yeah. to be there. So I decided I was going to be called um, Vicky Martin. That was going to be my name. Right. Uh, and I opened the microphone up and forgot that I'd chosen Vicky. So I said, Caroline, then remembered I've got to change it. Martin. And you know what it's like? You're, you're like... 16 years old thinking a million people have just heard me say the wrong name I've got to stick to it now Not it's the overnight nobody cares <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah it kind of like uh, stuck and and then I kept going back there so you were 16 yeah 16 years old I know I look at my daughter now who, and I think I know it, I hear some I of the stories about your daughters I, I know <laughs> so uh, you yeah. would, would you let them go on board a ship because um, let's just point out that you're the only lady on there as well yeah th- th- well not always there were some uh, others but um, a lot of the times that I was out there then yes I was the only lady out there girl then wasn't yeah, I yeah I'm a girl. Was a girl a wee girl but people always flag that up as if there was you know you were the only girl and there was lots of men. You must have had lots of orgies. It was that you're out there and it's like your your brother and they're like my family. Yeah. That, that's what it was like. I'm not going to lie and say <laughs> that everything was innocent okay. <laughs> because I can imagine somebody's going to be listening to this thinking she's lying because I know. <laughs> yeah, fine, right. One or two. But, uh, I did end up. Yeah. I did end up actually being engaged to them. Right. So, um, what, two of them? Yeah, well, I was with one and then we split up. You know what it's like? You, you you're together and you think we need to be together forever we'll get engaged I think we needed some mugs I, I so we got engaged to have a little party well, I, I, that, that scenario of being on a boat with a load of other people must have been a little bit like in I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Field the Big Brother House do you know what I often think that when I'm watching it now because um, 
because they always say, don't they, that it's so intense. Everything's so intense because you're with those same people for all of the time. That is very true. You get to see them warts and all and you get to know everything that there is to know about them because you can't escape. You know, you're, you're on the boat. You can not see land. And you know that even if you, you could, you, you, you can't get to it. Because mm. a boat that came from England would take four hours to get you back there anyway. So it's not going to happen. You're stuck there. You have to make the best of it. But I mean, what a life, you know, you get up and um, I used to do the overnights to begin with and you could just roll out of bed, go up in your nighty, uh, mm. do the show and then go back to bed again. It was just beautiful. <laughs> and and do you, because you've still got friends, haven't you? From, yeah. from those days. I mean, are they strong? They must be strong connections as opposed to, I mean, your CV, you've got, we'll go through the stations in a bit, but that time of Radio Caroline and, and the, the way that you all lived on that boat, those those friendships must be stronger than, than, than the friendships you've had since. Or, I, or different, perhaps. Different. I think that they were different. And I don't know, I've, I've, I've thought about this, I've asked myself this, were we, I don't know, were, were we all looking for something? God, this is deep. No, really, were we looking for something out there? Because there were people there from all walks of life. And, you know, some people have gone on to do very well. Some people are in radio. Mm -hmm. Some people have gone on to do very well in whatever they chose to do. I I look at them now and it's like there's no time has passed. We all look different. We've all aged. But in my head, we're still those kind of like... Young things that were on this boat, naughty, naughty school kids, loving life. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. absolutely loving life. It was, and the trouble I think with with Radio Caroline, I say the trouble because it was one of the best times of my life. Is that you've almost peaked too soon? Yeah, because there will never be. Uh, and it makes me really sad for people that are starting out in radio that they don't have anything like that because there will never be that again. No, absolutely. And it's not just about the radio; it's about the way of life. The you've you've just got to stand on your own two feet. You've just got to get on with it. You know, there's there was no internet, no shops, no no nothing. You couldn't get a haircut. You just it, but so what? It didn't matter. You know, you're alive. You're happy, and you had some really bloody good music to play every day. And tell me, so there's a few stories which I want you to share that you've told me um, previous to doing this podcast. So um, the one story which I'm desperate for you to share, you told me, and you you only told me a brief part of it. You got dangled over the side. Yeah. Of, of the boat. There was a period of time where there was a boat out there because Laser 558 came out. Laser yeah. came. And that was the American. Yeah. yeah. And that was like... You loved them, didn't wh- you? Whoa, that was massive. I mean, the sound that that's... Um, that, that, I mean, that was just like something else. I think that people listened to that and they were like, shit. Because, <laughs> uh, you, you, I mean, it, the jingle, everything, and the presenters, it was like nothing that I had ever heard before. Yeah. Um, and that was on a boat. That was on a boat just over the Pirate way. station yeah. again, yeah. So if you look, like we're in Birmingham at the moment, so if we were, look at WM, where it is, free where it was over there, that's the distance. Oh, Rich, you could <laughs> yeah, see each so other. you could see each other. Um, so, yeah, and it was when, so I think that Caroline, it kind of like, it got away with being out there. It wasn't ruffling too many feathers, but when Laser came, I think it had such an impact mm-hmm. and loads of people were listening to it and loads of people were talking about it. They sent a boat out to survey it, the dioptric surveyor. So when you went out, you couldn't get on board because, of course, they'd be filming you. They were filming who came, who went. They were making it really difficult for anybody to supply the boats. Right, OK. So effectively, if you're stopping the, the, the supply, supply yeah, yeah. you're going to starve them out. God, it's brutal, They're pirates. It? You find ways around these things. <laughs> well, don't you? We'll talk about that. Yeah, go on. But they threw kind of like a canister. So they had, a, I don't know what was inside. It was either 
a, a note of codes which indicated what they want. Because if we were short of something, yeah. you'd read out these codes on air. So that, you know, uh, just random, because somebody would be listening out and, oh, they've run out of toilet rolls or they've got no, oh, they've got no water. Oh, let's get some of that out. Um, and they put it in a, you know, airtight container, yeah. watertight container, and they chucked it to come onto the boat and it missed and it was bobbing about. So we didn't want them to get hold of it. So they ended up dangling me over <laughs> over the edge of the boat. <laughs> and I'm there sort of like with my head in the North Sea, just trying to grab this thing to save it. Uh, so we would uh, get hold of that and take it back. And mm. is it true that you had to get rescued by an RAF helicopter? Yeah. That, <laughs> you that, just say it really blah. I was like, yeah, yeah, we no, did, that, yeah. No, because it really did. This this was the last time that I was ever there while it was oh, at was sea. It? And, um, and And it really did get really desperate. Um, there was no food. Uh, there was no electricity. It was November. I have never known cold like it. You don't like it cold. I hate it cold. But you've got three kids. Essentially, there were three kids out there. There was me, uh, a guy called Rico, and another guy. And we were out there. And um, and it was quite scary because, you know, we're on a ship that obviously is anchored. It's not going to go anywhere. Uh, but we had no fuel. So we had a little generator. I say fuel when I'm, I mean for the main engines or yeah, for the yeah, main yeah. generators. But we had a little generator, you know, one of those ones that you pull to start. And we had a sort of string of lights so that we could be seen at night. And then at some point they didn't work. So we had to make tilly lamps up and go and dangle those around. And um, it was actually, it was quite scary because I was, every, somebody had to take a watch. So I was on watch one day. Uh, so if you saw another boat, you'd wave the tilly lamp or do whatever it was you were going to do to stop it from going into yeah, so, that, so that you could be seen and i decided I'd, i needed to smoke so i need i need a roll up well we'd run out of cigarettes so we had to re-roll <laughs> the ones that oh, were i know it's gross <laughs> it's me. gross but so i'm fiddling around trying to do this and then i suddenly look up and i'm like shit because an <laughs> oil tanker is like nearly on us and i'm like I dropped the bloody roll up again and I've got the tilly lamp and I'm sort of like waving it and waving it and it, I don't know how it missed us but it did just sort of like skirt by and uh, so you'd had some heart in mouth moments Wow! but it was in in the end we all slept together in on the bridge yeah. so we just put a mattress on the bridge and we all slept in there because it was so cold and um, we didn't have food and it was it was just a really desperate time. What? Were you getting paid? No, you didn't get. You got a, maybe a token gesture when Why you came. Why didn't you just off. leave? Because you, how are you? Well, how am I going to leave? I don't know. But I mean, this just sounds like a ridiculous <laughs> life. Because no, because I think you underestimate the passion that you've got for that place. Okay. Because we're waiting for, you know, more money to come out or for there to be an influx of people that want to come. You know, towards the end, lots of things had gone wrong. It had been raided, hadn't it? A few years prior to I, that. Tell me about that. So the raid. The raid. I was there for the raid. Um, well. Yeah, that that was all sorts of stories go on about this raid, and I remember being on air as this Dutch tug um, came up alongside, and it had been out there for a little while, uh, but this Dutch tug came up alongside, and then they um, they just basically got on board and uh, stripped the boat. So they took the studios out, they st- they took um, the records. Um, library yeah they took uh, the transmitters or you know the key components of the uh, transmitters uh, and they just kind of like stripped it all out and they came on one of them had a gun and i think somebody got hit in the process but apparently i i hear i was manhandled 
um, during all this. Everybody says you were manhandled doing that. No, that wasn't manhandled. The way I look at it is they they were shit for doing what they were doing, but they were doing their job. So they came out to do their job and then loads of people came out, the press came out and it happened on the same day, I think, as uh, the, the Marchioness um, disaster that, that happened on the, on the River Thames. Right. And of course... People are listening to what's going on on the radio because we we were live up until the point that they boarded, and we were saying, you know, we're about to be boarded by uh, the authorities, and and they sort of like boats were coming out to see what they could do to see if they could help, and uh, you know the the managers or whatever they came out and anoraks they came out. Uh, some people went back home, but there were a few of us that stayed behind, and we were determined that we were going to build it back up again, because the one thing that they underplayed in all of this is the the authorities they did say at one point when they were stripping everything out we are going to have lunch we'll be gone for 30 minutes no so they went to have lunch they were gone for 30 minutes and in that 30 minutes we managed to hide um some equipment we managed to hide some records we managed to hide stuff that was needed in the engineering department from the transmitters and so on and so forth so stuff was hidden so that at some point we could get back on air again amazing so it so so they were doing their job and you, you know they gave us that little bit of leeway to Hide stuff. Yeah, I was going to say. Well, they were giving you the chance. I think to get... so, looking back on it now, because yeah. you would leave somebody, wouldn't you? But as as that is my memory of it, somebody else may come and say, "It sounds oh, that didn't happen." It sounds a bit dodgy because if 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 the SAS were were, were breaking into a building mm. to rescue some survivors, I don't think they'd go. Oh, I'm sorry, it's half twelve. We've just got to knock off but for half hour. If you look at it, we weren't actually doing anything wrong. No, I know. Yeah. We were people that were playing music to entertain people, you know, and it it was illegal. Of course it was. But at the same time, who's it hurting? So if you were sent on a mission to destroy that... What, Maybe what, you would give them half an hour for lunch. you give them half an hour. I'd have said, I'll be gone half a day. <laughs> <laughs> but no, so we built it back up again. I say we, you know, I was on the boat. There were a few of us on the boat. But it, to me, it never came back from that, really, because it was... Um, I don't know if you're superstitious or anything like that, but what happened that day just unsettled something on that boat. You've got to remember that this boat was an old uh, fishery boat. It it was for Ross Fisheries. Mm -hmm. So at some point it had been a fishing vessel and, uh, you know, it had been out, it had seen rough seas, it had done all of that. And it had its own kind of like energy, its own sort of vibe. And people said that there was a ghost out there. So... After the raid, it took us a while and, uh, you know, I'm cutting a very long story short. We got it back on air. At one point, there were just three of us out there on the boat and uh, there was myself and there was Dave. Now, Dave was my partner at the time. And I got up to do the breakfast show and to go along the corridor, you have to go past the engine room and I could hear whistling. So there was somebody whistling and not just the wind whistle because you get the wind whistle on a boat, but this was a tune. So a tune was being whistled from in the engine room. So I stuck my head in and said, hello. And this whistling stopped. And then I walked off and the whistling started again. Now, I knew there was myself, Dave and Peter Chicago, who was the engineer. We're the only three people actually on this boat. Uh, So I went up the flight of steps to get to the studios. And then the next flight of steps were where his cabin was. And I popped up and his door was open. He was asleep. So Dave was asleep, I'm awake, Peter's asleep, so somebody's whistling. 
So we're in the studio, which isn't the normal one that we use. We've rigged a studio up. I go on air at six o'clock in the morning. And the studio next door, which is the one that had been wrecked and ripped out, that's in darkness. I'm on air. I've started the show. It's um, all rolling along quite nicely. And I can feel somebody looking at me. And I know that somebody's looking at me. And they're not just looking through the glass. It's like they are... They are looking, but they are peering round. So we've got the double glass like we've got in these studios here. So they're just peering round. And I can see that face in my mind's eye. And it took me all the strength I could muster to run out of my studio and turn the light on so that I could actually have that illuminated. And then this figure I couldn't see anymore. And I was talking later about it. And apparently, um, originally, when that boat was a fishing boat, that would have been at the hospital. So that would have been where you went to get treated. And how I saw that face peering around the glass, that would have been where the bed, the bunk was situated and where that person would have been lying in it. So people can think it's fanciful. They can make of it what they will. But that's what I mean. After that raid, something shifted on that boat. You'd go down to the galley. All gatherings were on. And you'd hear things happening and it was it was weird I'm not saying it was bad it, it, I, I never felt scared there never felt frightened but I think it it churned something up there was some sort of unrest there oh the hairs on the back of my neck and arms Caroline stop that stuff I don't like it do I you know that is this going out or is it just in our headphones the hamster's fine it was a technical problem you heard something on air you shouldn't have done oh yeah and then you got rescued and then we got rescued. So this was ages later. We're yeah. skipping back and forth here, aren't we? Uh, yeah, we were rescued. We had nothing. And we had uh, a, a, one of those old mobile phones, those big block phones. Yeah. Uh, and we had this battery, a car battery. And I think we managed to scrape enough stuff off the battery to get some sort of contact onto this telephone. And uh, I remember we took a call from uh, one of the guys that would come out, a big supporter, and he did so much. His name was Dave Turner, Dave the Fish, we used to call him. And all I remember is picking up the phone and him like, foof, foof, you're gonna, the, the anchor's going to break. And I'm like, what, what, do you, what do you mean? He said, you're going to end up on the good winds. You're going to end up on the good wind sands. Because uh, I think that when people think of sea, they think, right, Sea, flat, yeah, lot of room beneath it, but actually you're surrounded by sandbanks. Yeah. I don't even remember us calling for help because I don't know how we could have called for help. But anyway, we had decided that come what may, what would be would be, we were just going to go to sleep. Um, and we just sort of like all sort of like laid down. We had the generator inside by then. Yeah. So we'd got all these fumes going on. And then the next uh, minute, all you see are these lights uh, outside in this massive noise and there's a gale blowing at the, oh, a, str- a strong storm uh, blowing at this point and um, yeah a Sea King helicopter is above and the next thing we're just being winched off it and that was it and that was that and uh, do you know it, br- it literally broke my heart I was going to ask oh, tell do, me about those emotions do, it, 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 do you know it was awful uh, it was do you know if I could change anything it would be that day would it <laughs> and I wouldn't leave it and you don't make me cry now oh <laughs> it's mad, please don't cry because <laughs> no, you're kind of like you're, you're being lifted off and winched into this helicopter and you're looking down and all I can see is this this boat with and it's still got Caroline written on it on the side and yeah. on the on the um on the bow and uh, and you're just sort of like leaving it to its fate it's there it's there alone 
But I, I don't know what more we could have done because we it were, sounds like you did as much we were as you could. Kids and we did as much as we could for it. But um, yeah, it was still horrible. And if I could change it, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have left it. Making me cry now, Caroline. <laughs> You're hard. <laughs> Let's move on then, Caroline, because some wonderful memories of Radio Caroline and. Uh, I've got more questions, but let's not let's not push it because I, I I know you, you you're emotional about that and, and let's move on to the next. Um, right, so I'm trying to work out in my head. So the next radio station, Contact Nine Four, Contact Ninety Four. Okay, I I forgive me. Yeah, you know nothing about it. Um, no, it, it was a radio station in France. You've moved around so many places, haven't you? It went. Um, for the Channel Islands, it was for the for the Jersey and the Channel Islands. Is this a pirate station? No, no. This is actually in France in a place. I think it was called Lesay, near a town called La Haye de Puy. It was in the upstairs part of. There was a nightclub underneath, but it was like in the middle of a field, in the middle of nowhere. And uh, it was yeah, um, a radio station for for Jersey and the Channel Islands, an English speaking station. Yeah, yeah. But we had to do a few French lines an hour that we had written down. Can you remember any of them? No, I, I, or, I do you know in my whole time there, and do you know this is how I would do things differently because I was I'd learn to speak French and embrace it more. I think La Mer music. <laughs> more music. More music. <laughs> in that whole time, I learned to ask for a uh, uh, um baguette. Uh, sandwich. Play. sandwich. As long as I had a bread and, and a brew, <laughs> yep. I was I was happy. Uh, but no, that was fabulous. That was uh, that was great. And everybody there mostly was from Caroline. I was. Uh, okay. Yeah, it was more poppy than Caroline, I think, as I can recall. And it was on solid ground. But we did everything there. We used to make the commercials. <laughs> So I think you used to, um, a supermarket would get in touch and um, it would be like, right, we want to, you know, we, we want to advertise on the radio station. So one of us would write a um, commercial uh, and then we'd voice it up. And you got £25 for writing the script right. and £25 for voicing it up. And I used to do it a lot with uh, uh, my friend out there, Gavin, bless him, Gavin Ford. He was on Radio Caroline with me. Bless Gavin, he's no longer with us. We'd write comedians ones, comical ones, so right. that we could do a two-parter, so we could split the money. Because if you had two voices on it, you could get a little bit more uh, money. And we used to just have the most fun just writing these commercials and, and voicing these commercials. But you uh, could have a day off, but um, you'd have to pre-record your show. And we would go to Jersey. Okay. Because you wanted to go and get, I wanted a bit some sun-blessed bread and, you know, stuff like that that you couldn't get in France. And the little ferry thing only took about half an hour to get there. But it was just so weird because you'd record your show for the Saturday and then you'd be in Jersey and literally at that point, everyone listened to it. So you'd be driving around and all you'd hear is yourself. Uh, just sort of like coming out of cars and coming out of um, shops and, and, and all the rest of it. And it would, be, it would blow your mind that this many people were listening to this radio station. But yeah, it was, it was fabulous. We had a, a lovely time there. So then you, you, you come to, to the UK. Yeah. And uh, I mean, Chilton's super gold. So how do you go from Contact 94 to Chilton? So you're essentially coming back here and getting your first job in the UK. Yeah, I think I must have made some sort of demo and sent it to this lovely man called Steve Collins. Uh, he was a program controller there and I sent it him. I went to go and see him and then I went to go and do a show uh, in Dunstable. 
and I'd only just learnt to drive. I was cacking myself, thinking I'm going to break down. I had a trial drive from Cambridge to Dunstable and back again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when I did the show, it was awful. Uh, and I didn't drive back home again. So I waited until the sun came up and then I drove back home. And then he called me on the Monday. He said, how did it go? I said, it was terrible. It was terrible. He said, right. He said, OK, now we've got that out of the way. What was wrong with it? Because whatever was wrong with it, come and put it right this weekend. So I went and uh, did that. But I only did two shows there. And then I taught, I think I said, you could do much better than me because my husband does this much better. And then my husband, Dave, at the time, he went to work there. So uh, you talked yourself, talk out, of myself a job. out of a job. Um, because it really wasn't for me. Because um, yeah, I have to really, I can't do a thing for the sake of doing it. I've got to really like it. It's mm. just, no, I, so I know that. Yeah. It's, it's, so it's on the radio and, 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 the, and Steve was amazing, but it wasn't really, I knew it wasn't for me. So, and he, he was better on it. So uh, doing that type of thing. But from there, we went to Invicta to Supergold and um, that was what it was. It's a weird thing, isn't it? Because I am, have you noticed I'm Southern? Yeah. Yeah. But, Although but, you and I, when we're together and we're ever um, doing accents, we always go Bristolian. It's really strange, isn't it? I've only I? ever been there once. I know. I, don't, I think I've only there been there once. Have you, my lover? I don't know why we do it. It's weird, <laughs> isn't it? I don't, I don't anyway. know why we do it. But yeah, you are Southern. Yes, I am Southern. But So you'd think that I would mould well into... Southern life. Southern life. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't like it. Did you? No. <laughs> Did you give that job away as well? I no. I I I. Uh, there was drama there that I'm not going to go into. Okay. Yeah. But um, I then went up north, and <laughs> okay. uh, and that was very nice. I went to Magic in Sheffield, yep. and had the most amazing boss. I've been really lucky because I've had brilliant bosses pretty much everywhere I've been. You are lucky. That have taught me something. Tony McKenzie, he was there. He was absolutely fabulous. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I did that. And then, um, because that was on Magic, which was lovely, but it was on AM. And, and I thought, I'm not, I can't, I've got to get out of this AM now. You know, something made me think, I've got to get out of this AM. So I went to join a radio station called The Revolution in Oldham. Yeah. Uh, working for a lovely guy, another great boss called Liam Forrestal, who'd set it all up. It hadn't even gone on air when I went to um, go and work for him, but uh, it did come on and we were in a shopping precinct above Dunkin' Donuts. Yes, get in. <laughs> they I love that. On a stone. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, and it was lovely. And then I went to Rock FM. After a while, because I came back and, and had my son Jude mm-hmm. and then went back up north again and worked on Rock FM. So I know we, we've kind of, we've just briefly mentioned the three stations there, but we've got to Rock FM and you've got fond memories of Rock. Rock FM was, do you know, I was only there for six months and again, I had a lovely, amazing boss. He was fantastic. But Rock FM is one of those stations that, because I used to listen to it thinking, this sounds incredible. Everything about this radio station sounds incredible. Uh, And when he gave me a job, I literally, I drove in and the hairs on the back of my neck were standing on end. Was that when it was all the the American voiceovers and... It was, uh, I wasn't with the voiceovers, I was on at night. Was it? I don't know. Well, this is one thing about Caroline. You you don't really care about production and stuff, do you? No, not really. You're not anarchy at all. No, you you shouldn't apologise. I think it's a better thing Um, to be. It's... uh, it had to, Rick Vaughan was on there, yeah. Rob Ellis. There were some there were absolutely fabulous people on there. But to to actually be on that station was amazing. And I've never worked at a radio station with response like it. Like literally, you, you'd go on at night because I was on uh, ten till two, same as now. Uh, you'd go on at night and it the, it didn't stop. You know, you'd just be sat there as the the messages were coming in and coming in and coming in, and it was amazing. Uh, and it was in an old church as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, the, Brian said. Um, 
because people kept leaving cups in the new studios. They'd just been all done out and they were glitzy and lovely. And I think he said that he was going to start charging a fiver. And you knew that he could do that. Um, so you'd have to sort of like leave the studio at two in the morning and then run up to the kitchen is this, on your own. Is this because... And, and look, this... The, the, Rock FM was famous. All radio stations have got a ghost. Yeah. But Rock FM was always the most famous. The ghost at Rock FM was supposed to be hideous. Yeah, well, I don't know. I never saw any ghost. But it, Is that why you were scared of taking the cops upstairs? Oh, God, it was because it was like in, a, in an old church. Yeah. Like, literally. And you would, yeah. I think at some point, was the producer there with me? I remember doing that run alone sometimes, but uh, you'd have to foist yourself up and run and do it. And, uh, yeah, then get on your merry little way, drive back to Skipton thinking, phew. But, Skipton uh, from Rock FM? Yeah, I lived in Skipton. Oh, don't tell me. To me, you know, I'm like with geography. Yeah. Well, when I went to work on Magic, it was in Sheffield, and I thought, oh, I've always loved Yorkshire. Yeah. I'll go and live in Skipton because I used to watch that on All Creatures Great and Small. Bloody 90 miles a day there. <laughs> and 90 away. miles back. So, <laughs> and you stuck with it. You're going on. <laughs> With it. Oh, because of all creatures, great and small. But you know what? It was worth it to live in Skipton. It's just idyllic, absolutely beautiful. Yeah, Rock FM was. Yeah, Brian Page. He was the. He was. He was the boss there, um, and he was. He was very, very supportive. But I remember going in, and I didn't know how to use. Well, it Dalit mm-hmm. uh, that they use that I didn't know how to use it. I didn't. I, I hadn't got a clue. So they'd arrange for somebody to come in and show me. Um, and um, I think he turned up late. So I went on. Am I good technically, Foxy? I mean, you can, you, you know, I'm a little bit not good. No, you, I've, I've learned to be better. Yeah. But at that point, and I thought to myself, oh, my God, this is like my dream station. Mm. And I don't know how to use the equipment. And then I thought, OK, be calm, because worst case scenario, you've got a microphone. You just talk for four hours. It's easy. You can do this. You can do this. Uh, and then I thought this is going to be the quickest in and out of a radio station ever because I'm going to ball this up and they're never going to have me back. But at least I can say I've done it. Uh, and then I went and worked it all out and it was absolutely fine. But uh, no, it was. And do you know what? It was one of those radio stations where because some radio stations are not. I'm trying to be delicate. Go on, so, just say it. No, some some radio stations are to to work at Rocket was a team. Yeah, a family. A family. Yeah, they didn't really know me. Bear in mind, I'm the woman on at night. Yeah, but I did a mistake once, uh, and and it it was a big what mistake. Was it? it was it was something to do with the competition, and that that was it. So okay. I, I I made a mistake, and I thought this this is me doomed. And you know what? They all came together to help me out. So. They were really lovely people, and uh, Rick Vaughan was there. And uh, he then was with me later at BRMB. Um, yeah. Very fond memories of Rick. So, um, can we talk about your now husband, Adam? Yes. Because didn't you meet him at Invicta? Yes. Yeah. And he was reading your travel. Yes, he was. Was he any good at reading travel? He was very good at reading travel. I think you sound um, like you're reading off a script there, Carol. No, he was very, very good at reading travel. I think that we'd. Um, I tried to throw him once because he had a sore throat, and I made some reference to deep throat. Um. <laughs> Do you know what? Can I just say as well, having now worked with Caroline for ten months, and you, you have made, uh, for example, Scott Mills's innuendo bingo a couple of times, haven't mm. you? You know that. Yes. But the, it, it, it comes from pure innocence. You do say innuendos quite often on air. And I often look through the double pane glass from the operations room and I kind of peer over my computer. I look at you and it, it clicks in your head. You think back to what you just said and you're like, I did just say I did have his balls on my hand. Yeah. But 
you would have been talking about football. Like yeah. it was purely. Yes. You are very innocent. Thank you. Yes. You are though. Yes, so, I am. I think that's, that's it's a nice trait to have. I think. So um, yeah, the reason why I brought Adam up because then you move from rock to BRMB. Yeah. But Adam's the boss. Yeah. At BRMB. Tricky that, isn't it? Tricky yeah, one. You weren't together though, were you? Yeah. You I were. had his children. I think that classes us together. <laughs> but I thought you had his children whilst you were in Birmingham. Yeah, I did. No, but I'm on about when in Victor and then you came from Rock. Did he bring you to BRMB? What happened with that was he had a boss called John O'Hara. Yeah, I know John. Um, and apparently John O'Hara, uh, so I'm told, had heard me on Rock. Because does he come from Liverpool or has he, he was, got he Liverpool was on, connections? He was on Radio City, yeah. Right, okay. Uh, and he'd said to Adam, there's a girl up there that you need to, to get on BRMB. Mm-hmm. And that was me. And, and he... Adam's heart sank because oh, right. he, tri- he tried everything uh, to not take me there. Uh, but no, I came to work with him at uh, BRMB and and everybody, I have had all of this levelled at me. You only got the job because you're no, no, his wife. I, no, no, I'm not saying that. No, I'm not no, saying but that. It's, but you know, it's fair cop because you know people are going to assume that, aren't they? And I get it. You've got to prove yourself. When you did. And I, I think you I got, did. You got, you got a Sony Award? So... Yeah, you got so, great figures. Um, yeah, but uh, better than ours. <clears> and I don't, you know, people always say you must have. I had a harder time working for Adam. Well, do you know what? And this is nothing. It's not similar. He, he was bloody horrible See, to me sometimes. My, Adam, <laughs> my mom, my mom was my teacher at primary school. Yeah, and people went, "Oh well, I bet you get off with everything." No, my life was a lot harder because I'd get a bollocking at school, and then I'd get told off at home as well. Yeah. So for you, that's, I mean, I know he's not, he's not your mummy. <laughs> and whatever you get up to at home, Caroline, that's, that's entirely up to you and Adam. But it must have been harder for him to be your boss and to be your partner as well. Yeah. And to begin with, I only did, it wasn't too bad because I came to do two or three late shows a week at the weekend. Right. And that was it. That was what I was meant to do. And I did. And then I think somebody left. And so then... I did uh, the week's worth. When I'm with Adam at work, he is... I, I don't look upon him as my husband. I think Adam is so good at what he does and he is so wise about radio. I respect him enough to listen to the advice that he gives me. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to cut my own nose off to spite my face and ignore what he has to say because he is very good at giving good advice. He's the only person like, you know, sometimes, you know, I, I do go off at a tangent sometimes and if I get excited, I will waffle. I've never noticed. Uh and he'll, I'll go home and uh, he'll, the, the next day I'll go down, he's got a little office, you know, down in the garden. And I'll go in, hi, you talked a load of shit last night. <laughs> and, uh, you know, anybody else, if they said that, I'd be like, oh, yeah, right. Yeah. And I think, yeah, you're, you're right. I, I, may have, uh, I may have got overexcited. And I do when I get overexcited. I hate people fannying about. <laughs> do you know, I can't stand it when you're in a meeting and they don't like something that you've done and it takes a bloody hour to tell yeah, me. Yeah. Tell me as soon as I sit down mm-hmm. and then I can work at putting it oh, right. I, I've, I've been in these meetings, yeah. <laughs> Am I too direct? Um, no, I, I, that's how I, I prefer people to be. Because the interesting thing, the first ever meeting that I had with um, Adam and the rest of the team was when I was moved to breakfast. Because uh, I did the late show and I loved it. And um, they said to me, "You're, how do you feel about moving to breakfast? I said, I'm I'm cheery where I am. Thanks. I, I like it at night. And mm. they're like, well, we're networking it. So basically it's, you, you go, I, I said, breakfast will be fine. <laughs> you I, love it. Yeah. You know, I've always wanted to get up at four. <laughs> um, but we were in our first breakfast meeting and um, 
he came out with something and then we were having these meetings that lasted every day for an hour. Mm-hmm. And I gave him a retort back. And afterwards he said, uh, you cannot talk to me like that in front of everybody just because you're I'm your husband and I said I think there's been some misunderstanding I'm not talking to you like that because you're my husband I just don't agree with what you said and I've done that to every boss not in a rude I don't actually think I'm rude I'm not confrontational no, it's just, just direct that, it, it, do you think I'm rude you've sat in those meetings no, I don't with think, me I, I genuinely don't think you're rude I but what Again, if somebody makes a point and you don't agree, yeah. surely it's best to just get it done. Uh, exactly, and if any, I think any boss that I've had, maybe I do take a bit of getting used to. I'm from the Fens, you know. We speak as we find there. You know, there's no point. You've gone Irish. Uh, uh, <laughs> I was trying not to do my Fen voice because <laughs> oh, yeah. I can't really remember how to do it. Um, but I, I just think that rather than dress it up, just tell me exactly. And it's like my bosses; they know that. If Car- I've heard that Caroline said something or you've said something about me they know that that isn't the case because mm. I will tell them directly to the face absolutely um, and I'd, I would rather people be like that with me absolutely best way to be we're having a party so let's talk about BRMB, which, you know, I've obviously got a lot of love for BRMB. Um, Heritage Station, iconic station. I remember when we got the, myself and Juliana got the job there, people said that you could go to American people who heard of BRMB. I mean, you've, you, had, you were there for a long time. You, you must have had some very fond memories. I had, um, yeah, some lovely memories of BRMB. It was, uh, again, it was one of those stations where the, the hair on the back of your head stands up. Mm. And I used to do the breakfast show with Elliot Webb. Who's great. Who is uh, absolutely fantastic. And um, we had a meeting about doing the show. And I remember Adam saying to me, right, you're going to meet a girl now. She's going to be your producer. You're, you're not going to get on. You're not going to like each other. But she is very good at what she does. So just wind your neck in and just listen to what she's got to say. Uh, I met her, Liesl, Liesl Swords. And within five minutes, we were best friends and we still are best friends. And I love the bones of her. She's mad in many ways, but it, there's a we just got on so well and um, worked together incredibly well as well. Uh, she was fantastic. But we would get into some scrapes. Um, and I remember, because Adam used to sit in the office in BRMB, he had a view of everybody going past. Yeah, yeah, you couldn't get out of programming without him seeing you. And when we knew we were going to get told off after a show, me and uh, Liesl would crouch down on the floor and crawl out and go down to the car park to have a smoke before we got told off. Uh, and one day he caught us and all your head was, Liesl, Caroline, get in my office now. Uh, so we'd be uh, summoned back in. But I think that we were very mischievous together and poor Elliot was caught in the middle of it all. Bless him. Bless him, bless him. But there were some great people over there. And of course, uh, Jezza, uh, you know, Jeremy Kyle, Jezza's yeah. confessions, all of that was on uh, before I even got there. Uh, and it was just an amazing station. And of course, uh, Orion come in, turns into free and then you um, get put back onto late and then the sanctuary is born. The sanctuary was reborn. Reborn? Yeah, because the sanctuary was born when I first came to Birmingham. Because that was David Lloyd, wasn't it? Who came in and uh, churned everything up, so to speak. Well, he brought me in. Uh, Yeah. But we can't get everything right all the time. (laughs) (laughs) I'm joking. Um, yeah, he ca- and you know that was that was a funny old time because he took Elliot and I off of breakfast, mm-hmm. and of course we were outraged by this. Yeah. Um, but it turns out that that was the best thing that he could have done for me, um, and I, I just had a new lease of love for radio after that because David Lloyd 
he taught me no i don't did he teach he he allowed me to be me that's rare in a manager isn't it that they allow you to be you and guide you to be better and not dictate to you but would allow you to make mistakes and allow you to do this that and the other and just make you a better better presenter uh, whether it be the use of words or one word or uh, just w- one word put here and and not to be frightened of not saying anything and uh, all those things that he taught me were invaluable so although i thought that my world was ending mm. when that breakfast show ended um I actually went on to learn far more from from David Lloyd. And when I'm in a sticky situation now, because I think on on the late show that that we do now, that we that there are some hard calls sometimes, mm-hmm. aren't there? Yeah. Uh, and I think, uh, what would David say to do? So I, I've still got him in a file that I bring out when when needed. <laughs> the Lloyd file because he uh, he gave me such such excellent advice. I, I remember listening to the sanctuary and going, I can't believe that she's talking about this. I'd never heard radio like that before. Yeah. I mean, you were talking about dildos. Um, you were talking about ghosts. I mean, you talked about everything, didn't you? We Because I don't... Nothing was out of bounds. And and sometimes we'd say to David, right, we're going to do... We'd have to go and have a planning meeting. Uh, and he was... He'd always be like, I don't like that. Uh, if, if there was something you didn't like, I don't like it. But he never said, so don't do it. He said, I, I, I don't like that, but go and do it anyway and let's see if I'm wrong but he was never you know smug if it didn't work Mm -hmm. but and he was always generous if it did work he was just the best boss ever um, in my humble opinion isn't it true that you told your two girls Holly and Willow that they were not allowed to listen to the sanctuary no I told the boys that okay yeah I I told the boys because the girls were too young the the girls were too young but I said to the boys right um, don't don't listen to mum on a on a Sunday night because uh, we do was that the saucy night that was the sex night okay and uh, we we went through a phase where um, we'd send sex toys out and people would have to rate them Uh, so we had a bag of uh, vibrators sorry so you sent sex toys out to listeners yeah and they had to road test the equipment yeah, and then give the, yeah. you a test. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, we'd be like, uh, Gina, here's the rampant rabbit for yeah. you. And uh, somebody else would have whatever one and they'd all go out. And then I think a lovely guy called Pete, he actually was uh, the recipient of a, a flesh lamp. Uh, that unfortunately, because I was in a real hurry and when, when I rapid, you know, packaged it up, I wasn't as vigilant as I might have been. So uh, the postman went, uh, Pete, uh, flesh lamp for you, mate. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, it did the trick. It did grade it quite high. It got a nine. Uh, it got a nine. But we, we used to do uh, the position of uh, you know, somebody would you know position of the week, and it was all about enhancing your sex life and yeah. and stuff like that. And it only transpired years uh, after I'd finished the show. Elliot said, "Mum, the whole year used to listen um, in secret. Uh, you doing this sex show?" And I'm like, "Oh my god, mortified!" Because you know nothing was out of bounds. I think in the end we used to get somebody to come in because even my head acknowledged I'm a mum now yeah. uh, and I can't be talking about dogging and swinging when potentially because I, I had to do the school run the next day. I was going to ask about the school run. Yeah. So you must have had to get up in the morning and then just face other parents who would listen to you write a dildo yeah. with Gina from wherever. Yeah, they used to say, have you got any spares? Did you bring any home? <laughs> so, but the worst one was, we did a, a show once about um, 
uh, it was about people smoking outside the school. You know, do you think this is a good thing or a bad thing? You know, people smoking outside the school. And obviously, you know, we were like, there's a time and a place to have a smoke. You know, why do you need to do it outside the school gates? Blah, 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 blah. And then I went to do the school one the next day. Load of women out there. <sighs> Or just, just sort of like blowing you the attitude. I just cackled and, uh, <laughs> and, and went in. But, you know, you, 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 you forget sometimes you forget, there's yeah, payback, yeah. isn't there? For, uh, well, you forget that people are listening sometimes. Yeah, yeah it's, totally. It's strange, isn't it, when somebody mentioned it. And then, obviously, you, you go to the BBC, mm. BBC WM, and now you are on the Network Late Show, which is excellently produced, mm. got to say. Yeah, he's not bad, is he? Uh, he's a good-looking guy. And you've been on a few Late Shows in your career. You prefer lates, which you've you've already mentioned. What is it about lates that you love? The the, the, the audience, and do you know what really pisses me off. Can we swear on these podcasts? It's a bit like now, Caroline. You've said a well, few. Do you know what makes me cross? Yeah, go on. Is when. Um, and I know why people do it, but I get a lot of messages even now from uh, from from people that are like, oh, you know, it's, it's so sad that you've been put on The Late Show. Uh, now, I could have been put on The Late Show because they think I'm not good. I, who knows? You know, people make their own choices, don't they? Yeah. But to me, The Late Show is the best show to do. Uh, and I always wanted to do The Late Show. I mean, it was in such good hands here for so long. Graham Torrington did it. And I mean, he's immense. He's a legend. Mm-hmm. I just had to wait until he decided for a life of sunshine uh, and then it, it, it came up and, and who would not want it? It is the best time to be on. It is the most personable time time to be on. You've got um, listeners that have got, you know, they've got the, the, the luxury of time to talk to you and to listen to you because if you look at the daytime radio, uh, because we think we're on a three-hour show, somebody's going to come in at 10 and they're going to listen till one to all of it. They listen, what, for 10, 20 minutes, if that? Uh, but at night, people have got the luxury of, being able to spend that time with you. I had a woman that stopped me once and she said, you have ruined my relationship with my mother. And I was like, what What do you mean? What? How? She said, because I used to chat to her on the phone every night, but she now says, don't call me. I don't want to talk to you because I need to start to get ready for bed so I can listen to Caroline from 10 o'clock. And, uh, you know, I, I don't want any interruptions because it's a, it's an appointment for company. Uh, and I think that that's what we're trying to make that show. We are companions. You are welcome. We care about you. We care about what you want. And we do try and make it different. You know, we've talked about animals. We've talked about, um, you know, we, we do sex shows. We've got the men's club. We've got the dilemma. We try and have some laughs in it, but we're not afraid to get serious. We're not afraid to tackle really deep subjects. And that's what you can do at night. That's the luxury of night. It is the best time to be on. And if anybody listening is thinking, oh, yeah, but I really want the daytime. Be careful what you wish for. Your biggest thing was to make it different to any other late show. Mm. You didn't want to do the sleepy show that people are falling to sleep. And here's another song from whoever. You wanted it to be a party at night. My idea of hell on earth mm-hmm. is to play love songs yeah and and I'm not being detrimental or disrespectful to, to anyone that does it no, I no. just don't like them yeah I know I once had to do a love song show and I only did it once and uh it was the longest three hours of my life, and I and I couldn't I couldn't do it. And and do you know what? There'd be no point in me do it because I would not do it justice. 
I remember sitting in on a show once at Invicta where it was a love show and uh, this call came in and uh, it was basically, you know, can you say hello to uh, my girlfriend uh, and tell her that I love her? And the presenter, this is off air, it's, you know, he's writing the message down. Where, where is your girlfriend? Oh, she's next to me on the sofa. And uh, then the you know phone went down. Yeah, of course, I'll do that in five minutes time. And then he's like, why the fuck can't she just, he, he just turn around and do it there. <laughs> tell her that the, he loves her. And there is a certain logic to that. You, you, I've got a vision of everybody just sort of like cuddled up on the sofa and you've texted in so you've got this expectation my text is going to be read out in a minute you know you're going to know that I love you because I've just texted in for you know Lone Star and Amazed or something like that and then it comes on and you know the effort that's gone into this text but that I, I just don't like love songs the, you, I have to enjoy what I do if it, if it if it ceases to be fun to my mind it ceases to be worth doing So tell me, who are the the standout people that you've worked with? Um, David Lloyd, I've mm-hmm. mentioned him. Tony McKenzie was great. Um, uh, Brian Page at Rock FM, sadly, no longer with us. And Adam, and I'm not just saying Adam Bridge because uh, I'm married to him, but he's taught me a great deal, uh, a great deal. And I think he knows an awful lot about radio. And he's another one that I still go to now for honest advice. And, and that's how I can kind of like divide the fact that I'm married to him uh, because you know to me his, I, I do love wise people well, you, you people do, that make sense you respect his opinion don't you I, and that's the, that's the thing and uh, yeah if I respect somebody I will forever listen to them and I will always sort of like you know come back to what they've taught me we started with this I'm going to finish with it how proud is your dad of what you've achieved my dad I called him once and said dad I'm going to uh, be interviewing the Prime Minister. Oh, right, right. And, and when's that interview with uh, Jeff Lynn? That has been his proudest moment. I, I interviewed Jeff Lynn of ELO. So all the important people, don't matter. Jeff Lynn of ELO. And my dad's like, whoa, that is amazing. I still remember the time that we built the little model from the Out of the Blue album. So my dad, he's, yeah, he's, he's loving it. Uh, this is a long way from where it all began, isn't it? Because it started music. For me, for me, it was all about the music. Now, I love music, but it's very secondary. To mm-hmm. me, it's about the talking and the listening. But you've essentially lived out your dad's dream. Yeah. Yeah, that is true. Do you yeah. think you'd have been a good driving instructor? I'd have been shit. <laughs> I have money patience. And I've got the attention span of a gnat. <laughs> I know that. I'd see something and think, oh, <laughs> that's better than what I'm doing. But you have lived out your dad's dream. I have lived out my dad's dream. And, um, I, I, you know, I hope he's proud of me. Um, and, and it was a brave thing. And I don't know that many people would let their 15-year-old girl, you know, daughter... Um, that sounds quite sexist. That's not meant like that, you know, because at the end of the day, you're with a, a boat full and you can't get off of men. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm so glad that he did um, because without him letting me do that, I'd probably, I'd still be living in Cambridgeshire and I'd still be probably working in Tesco's. You were reluctant to do this. I was reluctant to do it. Do you know the reason why you, you, you didn't think anybody would find anything interesting? I think you've been fascinating. There's a lot of people in radio that like do rock and roll stuff and they they like that side of it. I don't care. I just love talking to people. I love being on the radio and talking to people. And then I just want to get home to my babies. I know. They're grown up now. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I enjoy this. I enjoy listening to um, you doing this. Please do Ian Lee. 
It, we want to get Ian. He's Lee. my favourite. Yeah, he's, he's on the list. Well, we've got a lot of people on the list that we're, we're now in touch with. So yeah, there's a lot of good people coming up. Well, Caroline, thank you so much. <laughs> I've got to read this shit. <laughs> Just text her the, uh, the famous oh, sorry. out, out, out Okay, outtake, sorry, the, I'll be professional. You've been listening to Crunch and Roll with me, Caroline Martin. Subscribe on your favourite podcast app to get every new episode as soon as it drops. Crunch and Roll is a 969 media production presented by John Fox and produced by Simon... <laughs> you, you, How do you say that? Buchowski. Buchowski. I don't even know. What is that? We've been best mates for Borchowski. 30 years. Simon Borchowski. That'll do. <laughs> 